the kind of capitalist American dream. It's that story, that idea of crime and left-handed form of human endeavor. It's like someone just, you know, you know, achieving what they want in the world, taking what's in front of them and kind of shaping the world to be like them, but done in a way that society wouldn't kind of allow. You're getting to see people like, circumvent the law and like bend the world to their whim, which is obviously a nice feeling that no one, most, most of us will never experience. <laughs> Welcome to the Dingle Whiskey Movie Club, a crime world special where we'll be discussing our favourite gangster films with special guests. Each week for the next five, we'll choose two movies from our top ten to review, to rate and to remember. But we want your thoughts too. So go on to our social media sites on Facebook, Twitter or on Instagram to vote for your favourites and be in with a chance to win tickets to a special live show and party. This week I'm chatting with comedian Peter McGann and the Sunday World's Niall Donald about Casino and the epic City of God. This is the Dingle Whiskey Movie Club, only on Crime World. So they're two really blokey films, right? Now, <laughs> Niall, yours is a lot worse a than lot Peter's. Worse, okay. So I'm going to start with Peter's. Casino. Okay. Yes. Casino. So why do you like it or what sort of has drawn you to it? Of course, 1995 movie um, by Martin Scorsese and kind of based around starring Robert De Niro, Sharon Stone is in it. But it's based around the whole idea of Vegas being run by the mob. And of course, it was the desert sort of uh, you know, place where they, they washed their money. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a, a kind of a golden age for the mob in, in Vegas. And I think that's when this this movie is set. Yeah, I think what it is for me is, well, I, I love Scorsese, anyway, but the, I'm a, I was a real nerd for that history, the crime history, organized, American organized crime. Yeah. I did my Leaving Cert history project on how to, to basically the when organized crime in America became like corporate, So like I was, so that and that obviously Vegas is a huge part of that. So I think that was part of it, and then just, just the story. It's such a big epic story, and it's funny and it's incredibly violent. And when I saw it, when I was like a teenager, so that's when you want to be seeing those things. Blew you away. Yeah. Um, They have a mob museum in Vegas. Do they? Yeah. I, I absolutely. I actually interviewed the guy who runs it, but I haven't been to it. Been to Vegas, and I absolutely love Vegas. Of course, the mob aren't there in their troves anymore but this mob museum traces the whole story of it and you can go in and there's lectures and everything it's really oh, cool like so yeah I, yeah I, we keep mentioning it in the hopes it's and just a sponsor <laughs> yeah. there's an idea yeah. to get on to advertising in relation to that so tell me the story about it well it's about Sam Rothstein who's based on Frank Rosenthal so he's like this Jewish kind of gambler fixer he just he was like a he knew the world of gambling inside and out and he was involved with the mob. So when they were more getting their hooks more and more into Vegas, they sent him out there as their kind of man because he was to- he was clean mm. in relation. He wasn't he wasn't an Italian, he wasn't part of the mafia technically, but they you know, they could kind of use him as their kind of puppet, I suppose. And he knew the inner workings of everything. And it's basically like one of those stories, it's like, you know, you get handed paradise and you mess it up for everyone because you because you're only human. So his, his mate from back home, who is a mobster, uh, ends up coming out. He's played by Joe Pesci. And he's the opposite of 
Sam where he's like all impulse. He's not thinking of any kind of long game. He's just there. He wants to, you know, get what he's owed then and there. Everyone has, you know, no matter what, mm, what, he's what a relationship burns. Exactly. And then he uh, inevitably just kind of brings a dog crashing down for him, uh, which is, it kind of feels like Goodfellas, if Goodfellas was in the Bible or something. It's right. like so heightened. and It did get criticised, isn't it, for being yeah. too like Goodfellas or is it like, because Joe Pesci, Pesci, of course, is sort of a similar oh, character, like, you know? For sure. Yeah, yeah, I can see why, but I controversially almost prefer to Goodfellas and I think Goodfellas is, you can't touch it like it's a masterpiece, but it's like, it's just them getting, doing Goodfellas, but doing it on the scale of like, like a big, massive, like, Roman epic or something. It's like whereas Goodfellas is a street, streetwise kind of street level kind of thing. This is like these like uh, kind of. It's like it is like kind of pharaohs and stuff like that. But they're all mobsters. And what about Sharon Stone? You know, she plays. Well, she is the the actress who plays his wife, and mm-hmm. he marries this kind of ex hustler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's an incredible character in it and memorable. Didn't she win a, a globe or something for that? She I think? won something. I don't know exactly, but she is like. And find out what incredible in it yeah and it's like it's the you're kind of presented with this character who's just pure survival and she's just in it for herself but but it gives you enough information to see why she will be in it for herself but it's it is again it's again it's that thing of like if you could just get out of your own way you'd be grand but you just have to keep kind of it's like yeah you have to this guy you're married to this rich guy but you're still going to be stealing from him and yeah, squirrel yeah. away money and run away with ex-pimps and stuff like that. You can't, it's all that kind of like you're handed this great thing and you just, you're, you can't control yourself or whatever. But she's fantastic in it. And yeah. like, as good as she's ever been, I'd say, in that film, like obviously that was the peak of her kind of success at the time, like mid-90s or whatever. But I thought she was unreal in it. How many times you watched it, do you think? I've watched Casino an unholy amount of times. I'd say, you know, outside of films we you watch when you're a kid, you know, you see, watch them over and over again. Casino's the one I've seen the most. I'd say that I've seen it kind of like way too many times. I'd say, yeah. yeah. And was movies always a huge interest for you? It was, yeah, yeah. I mean, from when I was like a young, young teenager, maybe a bit before I started getting into films and film history and stuff, and it was mm. kind of became a bit of a bit of an obsession. I went on to do it in college and all the rest. Of it. But Casino was it's all it's the it was one of the one the first ones where you're kind of. I kind of felt like I was getting a full meal because that's the good that and Goodfellas stuff. That's the good thing about them is they're 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 proper films. They're pro- made with artistry, not but they're also great crack. Like you're getting lads getting their heads, putting vices and throwing out of cars and ice uh, picks. In the that back is head. an amazing ability to make us laugh while in the middle of all that violence and that. I mean, I think that's a lot of these kind of really epic gangster movies do both that thing mm-hmm. they make you kind of turn in horror but also they make you roar with laughter oh it's it's, a, it's unlike Niles which we'll come to shortly <laughs> no I've thinking, I actually, talk about the darkest <laughs> movie he could ever make me watch I'm gonna have nightmares very for a stylish long time. though beautiful yeah. Film. yeah looks beautiful anyway yeah. that can't be we'll move denied. to it for a minute then but I'll tell you what I liked City about Casino was was uh, Sharon Stone's relationship with Robert De Niro like that's yeah. really brilliant the way that that he's such a tough guy but she's under his skin oh it's so it, yeah it's, and it's that thing of like he wants the character the, like the what's the, the, again why I keep thinking of it in terms of like really like biblical or like tragedy ancient tragedy terms like what's the character's fatal flaws like he's got this immense gift which is this the skill of you know kind of been over, able to oversee this big gambling empire and know the world and he's obsessive about it but his kind of his need to control 
it's what makes him great and also his downfall because he can't control her and he keeps wanting it. It's like if he just let her go and focused on what's important or find someone more amenable, then he'd be grand, but he can't. It's like he needs to kind of, he, he needs to control her like he can control every, and that ends up, again, it's, you know, the, the thing that brings brings it all crashing down. So, and it's it's so well done. It's the woman that's the problem. So this is where this is going to come to criticism. No, 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 no. I mean, there's two to tango. There's literally a song in the film, two to tango, when they're having the, her and Joe Pesci are having the affair. She's not perfect either. She's not perfect. Exactly, yeah. So women are downfall. Yeah. Yeah. So what makes these movies great, do you think? Casino, Goodfellas, and let's stick with Casino because it's the one that that you have sort of brought to the table to us, but what makes it great? I think and a million things. I think the like the level of detail that's in it is insane. The lack of judgment on it. It's not like, like I was thinking about it there the other day, like the, they're not, it, it's not treating it like, like Robert De Niro isn't a gangster in the film. Ace Rossi's not a gangster in the film, but he associates with gangsters. And then another film, the easy thing would be like, Oh, showing how you know he tries not to be a gangster, but then he gets pulled in anyway. And he gets, but in this, it's like it's just taken for granted. He just knows these people, associates with these people, and it's not, it's not necessarily like it's not. It, that's not treated as some great big spiritual downfall. So the lack of judgment on the criminal criminal side of it, it's more like the really kind of human nature side of it, where that's. The kind of so do you mean in. that then that it's tapped right into the reality of that world? I think so. Yeah. And like, so it's not. It's not like sometimes an outsider will take a, a subject matter and they'll make a complete bollocks of it in a documentary or whatever, or approaching it because they don't understand the world or something. Exactly. Yeah. Or treating getting out of the life as the happy ending or something mm. like that, or something like kind of very in story terms. You know, that's the obvious way to go, and you see why it works, or whatever. But if you're trying to tell the story where it's like, no, this is how it is for these people. This is the kind of reality of it, and. That's that wouldn't be a happy ending. It's like at the end of Goodfellas, where Henry goes, gets out of the mob, lives in the sticks, and under an assumed identity, and no one can find him. And it's, it, but it's not treated as a happy ending because it wouldn't be for him. I think that's where those films, it knows what these people want and doesn't try and soft chew them or kind of like you know kind of soften their edges or anything. It just treats them takes them as they are, I suppose. Do you have a tendency when you're watching movies, when you're working in the entertainment business, show in shows, comedy, writing, do you have a sense of picking apart things from movies all the time when you're watching them, how much this cost, how they did that, how they filmed this scene? Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Yeah, and especially like a casino, he's going, he's obviously working on this massive big canvas on like massive sets and massive like locations and the costumes are incredible and the act, the biggest act, biggest names, mm -hmm. you know, you could think of at movies at that time and the music is incredible, but like the way the performances are, they're always these very hyper real, improvised feeling S scenes between, especially between like De Niro and Sharon Stone, say towards the end where they're all out of their mind and paranoid and uh, I think that's the kind of thing where you're like, how did they do this? Because they've got, like, they could have loads of extras in the background. They could have lots of moving parts. They could have, and they just have these people acting as though it's like, you're, they're just, there's just mm. the two people in the room. And I, that, which other films just can't touch, like, in terms of, like, performance levels, I don't think. But they always get those, the, these gangster movies always get the big names, don't they? Mm -hmm. It's cool. You'd want to play one. You'd want to play Probably one. Probably would, yeah. yeah. It's kind of cool, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, 
bedroom you playing know, an accountant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, no offence to accountants. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> no one's queuing up to see. No. <laughs> You're not doing a podcast on accounting no. movies anytime soon. No. Right, yeah. yeah. And maybe it gives you that that moment of uh, time when you can just sort of step into those shoes but walk out of them without having the devastating consequences that most do exactly. from entering criminality. So you get a little sense of it. Exactly. And it's like, it's kind of like, Again, it's not that main draw because the main draw is something that I was drawn to before. I, you could pick up on things like this, but the whole thing of like the kind of capitalist American dream, it's that story done, but it's just obviously that idea of crime and left-handed form of human endeavor. It's like someone just, you know, you know, achieving what they want in the world, taking what's mm-hmm. in front of them and kind of shaping the world to be like them. But done in a way that society wouldn't kind of allow. And that's kind of obviously, like Scarface is the obvious one there in The Godfather. You see these, like you're getting to see people, you know, circumvent the law and like bend the world to their whim, which is obviously a nice feeling that no one, most most of us will never experience. <laughs> Emma said to me that she finds uh, crime sort of genre and watching uh, various crime movies and stuff uh, Entertaining and relaxing. Because she doesn't, <laughs> not gonna, do you feel slightly similar? Because she said, like, you know, she can't relax watching comedy. Yeah. Because you're constantly sort yeah. of, I suppose, going, oh. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I know what she means, actually, about the, the comedy things, Ernie. Yeah, the crime stuff, it's like, it is relaxing. And also because there's a genre to it. Yeah. So you're like, there's like certain, for the most part, you're going to see, get certain things. You're going to get, a, you know, a certain amount of violence, you're going to get a certain amount of like, you know, a twist here and there, a betrayal or, you, there's there's beats that, there's a, like a load of beats that most films will hit, you know, a handful of those beats mm-hmm. and satisfy and there is a comfort in that for sure. So, yeah, like if I definitely want, if I want to relax, I'll stick on, like, yeah, def- any number of crime films. More and than, what's your take on serial killers? There, I'm I don't, well, sorry, I do get the fascination with them. I don't I, really have You were going to say that, they're boring. Aren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like... That's the difference between the male mind and the female mind. Mm. That is it. That is exactly serial how... Serial killers, that's the one <laughs> Women love serial killers. Women love serial killers. They find them fascinating. Men just think they're boring and, yeah. Do you know why I, I'm, this is, I'm pulling this out of my... Arse right now that you're saying this. I wonder, is it... This is very reductive, so maybe it'll get me cancelled. But Go on. It's, uh, do you think women, because it's most serial killers, mostly men, do you think they're looking at that and been like, it's like that kind of challenge of a man. It's like, or his man will look, of like, I can change him. Possibly. And then a man will look at it and be like, ah, there's no, there's no, he's, A man look at him and go, he's a dickhead. Yeah. A loser. Do you but think no, that gangsters though are kind of a, a male ideal? Yeah, Something they would is. like to be or on a serial, one level. A serial killer is like a, literally a, like a great fear for a woman. It's like these black, yeah. like generally, they're, they're certainly not attractive. Women. Like, let's no, be exactly. honest. Well, and there was, I remember reading an article saying all men secretly want to be Tony Soprano. An old man probably secretly. Well, <laughs> why would you want to be Tony Soprano? Well, it's a kind of hyper masculine mm. yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. And you're looking at me like, oh, he's so stressed all the time. He's yeah. looking over his shoulder. Yeah. He's worried about this. That. And like, yeah, well, most people yeah. are that anyway. Without all the, <laughs> they can do you. whatever they want, whatever they want. <laughs> yeah. So you guys want to be gangsters? No, yeah. no, 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 no. You have to. I suppose you have to. <laughs> you're <laughs> mature past yeah. that. Yeah. You have to acknowledge the, the temptations of the world. You know. But look, didn't we all no, enjoy the photo shoot? I mean, yes. I wasn't oh, yeah. actually. Yeah. I was the only one there not dressed, but you guys had yeah. a bit of fun. Yeah. Well, after seeing the old 
weeks yeah. there now I'm very and they look good oh god that's <laughs> the moment that you yeah. can kind of reflect on and think that was my moment of being it's that kind of thing I know when it gets out there people be looking at it like, who does McGann think he is yeah. rather like yeah. I, it, it's cool enough to kind of circumvent me yeah. my insecurity they there. are yeah so yes and I think that men love all these movies now I mean I sort of I don't know what's wrong with me because mm. I do love the likes of Goodfellas Usual Suspects Godfather one, two, three is okay. I seem to be alone like on that. Yeah. No, oh, like good. Three. Yeah. Thanks. Because I've been annihilated know. by the lads in the office by suggesting that. Um, but your movie now. Yeah. City of God, and I, I think I did see this years ago, and I obviously cast it out of my mind, but I don't remember the bloody chicken scene. <laughs> Do you remember at the beginning? I turned it on the other night, and I was actually had to get up and walk away. I was going, oh, the poor chicken, and I don't even like chicken, chickens. Yeah. Um. You know, alive because they peck at you and everything. But this poor bugger was there watching his mates getting cooked, getting the, the you know, getting like absolutely savage, tortured essentially. Yeah. And he was tied to a little sort of pole by his little ankle, his little tiny skinny ankle. And he eventually got away and he ran off and they all the human, big human beings ran after him. Yeah. Yeah. There was also about 60 people killed. I was going to say, <laughs> just, just, to make, just to bring that I was in. Say, like, uh, <laughs> including yeah. a couple of young children. Yeah. But, uh, poor chicken, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> you have never killed a dog in a film, it's like, or the chicken. Just kill whoever, again, yeah. nuke a whole country of people. I just yeah. felt sorry for it. Yeah, that's okay. And the human. That's okay. <laughs> it's good to see. It's good to see. I don't like seeing animals. I don't like seeing humans tortured or anything. <laughs> no, she does have excessive sympathy for dogs that's okay. the, in, in stories, you know. <laughs> anyway, so that's just my. But you didn't like it. No, I. Well, I. It's not that I didn't like it. I just there's the chicken bit, and I got over yeah. that. And then, yeah, the story is is incredibly interesting. Yeah, my level, but it, it's just it's so dark. Well, it is dark. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like, there's it's no light in it at all. Well, I do. I, felt. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's like I, you know, obviously there is a couple of characters that are light in there. Yeah, like the main sort of protagonist, Rocket. Yeah. Uh, the names he, are good. Yeah, yeah. We, we'd have liked them in the Sunday world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, it, but actually, that's one of the really interesting things about it. Like, although it's set uh, half the world away, um. You know, there are sort of similar parallels to the history of criminality in Ireland, you know, because mm. it does start off in the 1960s. You see people being pushed out of Rio de Janeiro into kind of these suburban estates, you know, government buildings, government built housing estates. It's for those who had been displaced by flooding and stuff yeah. were all moved in. Yeah, but the... I think it was a general move out of yeah. Rio de Janeiro, which of course happened, was the birth of criminality really in Dublin, where people were pushed out into it to yeah. these estates with little resources, little, you know, nothing going on. And, and that in the 1960s as well. And that that's when that starts. And then you see the rise of, of drug culture, you know, um, first armed robberies and then the rise of drug culture and how that that's, you know, sped up the level of criminality. You know, I thought that was all really, really good. But I don't know if it has no... Uh, redemptive moments in that like the main protagonist he he you know he's he's living in in that slum area to favela or whatever it's called and he ends up getting out and becoming a professional journalist actually 
So that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, <laughs> no, and you know that's obviously it's based on yeah. a, a book written by somebody who did come out of that and 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 come that way. So I don't know if it is without redemption, but it's undoubtedly really, really grim. Yeah, and it was from a time in Brazil, like which I think is not as bad now, mm. where there was there was you know absolutely no go areas where there was incredible levels of violence. I think there's other It's a tough watch I think more so than some of the other movies because the other movies just feel like kick back open the popcorn and Yeah I know I know I do understand the glamour is in the others exactly like this you don't get to that you don't get to see the benefits straight up that's probably what I mean more by sort of the darkness of it and it's just it's a little bit of a tougher watch than some of the others I do think though if you remember the the character Benny like who's kind of the the second gangster like that's a real redemptive story in him even though he does end up getting killed you know where you just see you know it's it's not the the real blunt psychopathic criminals you see another person who in another other circumstances would have been a could have been a great person a great leader a great whatever mm. and I thought that that was you know really really powerful I thought you know that his his attempt to move away he meets other people he starts talking about peace and love and becoming a hippie mm-hmm. so I really liked that bit actually I thought that was there was redemption for some of the characters and there's another bit as well where the guy rocket and he's thinking of mm. going into becoming a criminal um, and he, he goes to stick up a few people and he keeps just chatting to people and says, ah, no, I won't rob him because he's really sound. <laughs> and another guy plans to hijack a car and your man rolls a joint and they smoke. Ah, no, I couldn't hijack him. <laughs> so I really like that bits of it, like that it wasn't just, like it's not just a, a grim telling of, of, of you know, life in, in, in a very violent area. I thought it, there was other bits to it, you know. But the... One bit, which yeah. maybe mightn't have been the most obvious, but I did write it down with a big, big question yeah. mark after it for you. What's with all the redheads? The redheads, yeah, but that's, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's like... It, Do you remember actually, that bit? Because you haven't watched it for a while. There's just guys with, like... Red hair. Red hair and... But that's, see, that skin. shows you the, the interesting, like, ethnic mix, of course, of Brazil, which yeah. is, like, of all the countries is, um, you know... the. But that has to be like an either an Irish or Scottish heritage well, I mean, because there is no other place in the no, world, I think, with red hair. Yeah, but there was huge, I mean, there's huge populations of Irish in Argentina and Brazil mm-hmm. and Welsh as well. I mean, there's still oh. areas of people speaking Welsh in certain parts of South, he owes South America. bizarre facts. And then, the of sleeve. course, <laughs> that's a job for a podcast. Yeah, it? Like, and then there was a mix, of course, of, you know, the, the vast bulk of the, the slaves brought in from Africa were brought to Brazil more so than even the the US, you really? know. So there was, you know, an incredible mix of, of mm. ethnicities in, 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 in those places, you know, in that country. So yeah, like I thought I it was I wasn't expecting such an academic answer to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no end to my talents. Yeah. That's good. That's that was yeah. impressive, isn't it? And he, he wasn't even prepared for that. I thought that was the one that was going to no, completely no, flow no. into the redhead. He was going to go, what? I didn't know. I mean, there that. was. I mean, there's some Irish names in, for example, the Argentinian military and all that. Like you'll see those Irish names. Yeah. Okay, that's enough. Yeah, it's okay. Sure, I, can, I can keep going. I can keep going. The professor here. <laughs> um. But yeah, like I thought it was great. I actually liked the journalism bit as well. Like you know, where where you is, know, you is see, it based on him? Is it his? It's based on him. I think it's yeah. quite loosely based. But there mm. is, like, you, if you see at the end of the film, they actually have one an interview with one of the the guys that the thing is based on an actual interview on TV. So you see, obviously, in, in it starts at the beginning when he talks about there's a photographer in there's been yeah. a murder and the yeah. photographer's right up close to the body, yeah. and all the kids are like obviously looking yeah. at this dead body on the street in the dust, and he's looking at the camera. 
Mm. And he's just like, oh, yeah. I want that. But I there's a great, yeah, camera. there's some great bits there as well where the, uh, the, the, the main gang boss, little, little Z, um, he's reading, the, they can't read, he can't read, but he's looking at the newspaper and he's really pissed off his picture isn't in it. Do you know? Because oh. the rivals are in it. That's and, cool. you know, eventually the, the, the main guy, Rocket, takes his picture and puts it in the paper. And he's delighted with himself. Look at me there. <laughs> and I thought that was good because you see, parallels see these are the other. Yeah, because yeah. that's why, you know, you, you see those parallels with, with Ireland as well, where obviously there's many people who don't want to be in papers like the Sunday World, but there are some that do, yeah. do you know? And that's just the it's reality of it. I'm sure if you're like, all right, good for your rep, I suppose. If yeah, you're and that is, be. and maybe that's your object. Like there is a hyper-masculine world mm-hmm. in that film where machismo or whatever you want to call that's what's driving a lot of the crime because there's not they're not making millions and flying in private mm-hmm. jets to Las Vegas so mm-hmm. the money is actually quite small but it's really just about dominating the other people you know and so yeah. that is the reality but I do think that that is the reality in maybe in gangland in this country as well where some of these people you know there's obviously a, an elite that are making a huge amount of money but a lot of them are just doing it for reputation and being being a big a big shot in the local area you know so i like that like you know i think i thought it was i like it um that film obviously um where did that film come from, Mitchie? Because you were very quick to pick it. Well, it came out of nowhere. You see, that's that's one of the other things. But you obviously watched it at some I point watched, and it made a real impact. Yeah, I, I watched it at the time. I mean, I think it was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, it was yeah. huge. I remember, I was yeah, in school at the time, I remember school, it was on my... Watched in school as well. Yeah, it, it was, was huge. Like hardly. It was, yeah, I mean, I think it was, it's one of them, those films that, that uh, sort of helped foreign language films break through you know it was one of the first mainstream successes that came from another country and it came at a time i think where they you know maybe there was it was more possible to make films that look brilliant Mm -hmm. with slightly lower budgets Mm -hmm. and it really i think that it became an important film in that way not just because of its the subject matter and it's but because of its success in in sort of and then of course there's been a load of other foreign language gangster films and you know gangster series that have really broke through so yeah um, Lahan is it the the French one and then obviously the what's the Italian quite a few Spanish ones as well yeah so that was kind of the start of that Mm. sort of genre you know what I mean so it's a good film it's a good film you liked it it. so tell me about you what are you doing next coming up into December into December well on the 3rd of December myself and Shane Daniel Byrne are hosting a Christmas comedy night in the in Liberty Hall um, I, I presume when this goes out either something's gone very wrong or tickets are on sale <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then a couple of days later on Wednesday the 7th of December um, myself Shane Daniel Byrne and a few other people including Emma Dorn uh, will be in um, Shirtwork Club doing the Bure de Change Christmas song contest where a lot of comedians will have gone off written a Christmas ballad and perform it live uh, and that will be good fun. So, and did you always want to, do you love stage? I do, I do. I love stage, all the rest of you. And uh, actually... Because you do a lot of stuff. I do, uh, yeah, too you much. You do writing, you do theatre, t- production. Action, bit of comedy. Uh, no, I don't really produce or anything like no. that, but I would, I everything else really. I actually, myself and my co-writer John Morton we wrote a play that's kind of in the gangster genre there that went on before COVID there in, 
in Smock Alley. It was the Roaring Banshees, but it was set in Chicago in the 1920s. So like, the, the gangster thing is just like, that's all, I, I love it. I, as yeah. a genre, like it's, I'm, it's, I, I've literally now worked in it and that's been developed on further, hopefully, and made into a series. We, who knows? But that's kind of, it's something I'm kind of steeped in always. So I, I do love it, I have to say. It's probably slightly easier to bring this stuff that's happened and over and done with to the stage as as uh, as an entertainment than the modern day stuff that's out there. Yeah, happening. it's more attractive, isn't it? Like yeah. because obviously you have the little the gap of time to kind of make it less immediate, and then also better gear, better costumes. It, it, <laughs> it, it kind of feels easier to find it entertaining as well. Exactly, when it's so you know, far yeah. away rather than something that is kind yeah. of more current. Yeah, though I think lo- like you see, Love Hate really was the. The biggest series oh, yeah. they produced, isn't it? Like the most yeah. cultural impact, oh, like, or whatever, yeah, like you know it, what I mean? it, without question. That was like I, I, lo- I love that show. I know it doesn't feel like people don't talk about it a whole lot anymore, but I loved it now. Yeah, well, there's nothing. Well, I mean, Kin came after it. Kin came after it. Just hasn't had, just it doesn't seem to have no. had the same impact or something. No, yeah, it was a slicker, higher end kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to kind of you know follow the first thing that is big. Then you kind of. But um, no, yeah, like that in terms of like, yeah, acting and writing, and that's kind of my main yeah thing. And um, like, what would your biggest fear be to go out on stage if uh, what could go wrong? What could be the worst possible thing that could happen to you? The obvious one is not knowing your lines, and that is because it's the obvious for because it will be the single worst thing to ever happen. And has it happened? Uh, it's happened in small. Ways like small, like correctable ways. Um, I, I, I did this thing. I do this thing for COVID. I haven't done it since COVID's op- Evans reopened. But I do this thing called pulp injection, where I would write these radio plays, like two radio plays, in around half hour, forty minutes, and they were, each will be performed with like the same ten actors. It was we used to do it in the workmen's, and it was performed live. I'd be off stage doing the sound effects on the laptop, so it's like very old school kind of, kind of radio play style and but I used to be very I used to be down to the wire writing the scripts we used to have rehearsals with a play and a half written and I'd rock up on the night and the workman's hand people scripts that they you know half the script they hadn't even seen before and they'd have to go off and read I was, it was very bad now but uh, I used I had a rec- dream a recurring dream where I was the audience were spilling in to come see that and I was backstage typing on the laptop still <laughs> writing the play and the audience were there to see it and I had to, that that now that was I think that's my biggest deep root of fear. deadlines basically yeah yeah they're the best and the worst thing for me yeah yeah but you've quite a lot to like remember when you go out on stage if you're yeah. trying to because you you know it's a long time an hour or whatever yeah. you're, you're, the length of your show it is to remember yeah like the it's that's rehearsal or if it's comedy you're you've gone out in the clubs and you've kind of you drill bits over and over again. Yeah. Like, I, like, yeah, it's it's insane. It is just literally drilling. Like, I, I don't know, do it, like some people have other, other ways of doing it, but I, for me, it's like, if it's a big long block of one monologue, a bit of thought, it's like breaking it down into segments, running it, you know, it's like very simple, mm-hmm. dull ways of kind of drilling And is it, it trial and error where you try something in one night and it works and you keep that? Or Definitely, yeah. No, yeah it's oh, yeah, it's, it's uh, there's a lot of that. And like, and you can't, and there's also, you can't fall in the trap of if it doesn't work one night, you cut it then, because it could be perfectly fine, and then you could kind of bring it back. And a different audience would like it. Mm-hmm. Just, exactly, just yeah. Just an audience didn't. Or you need to kind of move bits around, tweak it a bit, or fall in the trap as well of like, 
you go out and you have it so by rote, you don't leave it any room to kind of have a bit of crack with it because then it just becomes stale like that, you know. Mm. But uh, I know it's good now. And there's a lot of work in it. There's a lot of movement in that whole business and there's a lot of shows on. And mm -hmm. Now there is. There wasn't for a while, but now it's back yeah. to... Yeah, it was really tough on people, I think, during COVID, was it? Because, I mean, people yeah. rely on... Like, I was doing a lot of the internet stuff and that that, that was grumble. Like, I, yeah, if and I've got a day job as well and all the rest of it. Like, if it's your kind of... If touring or clubs is your main source of income, it was a bit of a... Bit of a bummer now. But it's sort of like people who did take to social media, I mean, it's sort of made them as well didn't it some of them oh yeah like people are literally selling out yeah like Vicar Street and Liberty Hall and like big venues to be honest if you want to look at the two Johnnies those lads they've sold out three arena yeah. the three arena know, off internet you know like it's like off the, the podcast off the podcast like mm -hmm. like yeah. aren't, people aren't coming because they hear them on two of them like it's that's you that's know that's the gas thing yeah, yeah. It's a hall. It's a it's crazy. Like it's crazy. So you'll be selling a tree arena with this podcast now. Oh, jeepers. it's the irreverence of the podcast, though, yeah. isn't it? That it's you don't get it if you're on I love radio. It. And I mean, in a way, even despite the the the, the topics that we do, like yeah. crime, like if you're on radio talking about crime, it's almost scripted. You're very stiff, yeah. and you know you're just telling what the way it is. And obviously, there's this constant fear that you're either going to you know, say something that would cause a problem legally yeah. or that you will, you know, hurt somebody's feelings because you're talking about, you know, a lot of murder victims and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas on the podcast, you just have a little bit more time to sort of... Um, Give like, a context, I think, isn't it, yeah. as well? Like, you know? And it's that's the subject. The subject of the podcast is what you're talking about, as opposed to, like, here's a segment that people are tuning into and they might not want to hear it, so they might take, you know... A bit and of sometimes you're able to kind of, like go back and sort of nearly apologise for you. I didn't mean to say it yeah, like that yeah, or yeah, whatever, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So just, I think you can put a broader context than, mm -hmm. yeah. than you could in three minutes, you know, mm. um, for a news story like... Yeah. Do you, yeah, do you still have to get legal? Oh, Listening yeah. back to everything. Oh, like, yes, yes, yes. We get a couple of raps on the knuckles every yeah. now and then when <laughs> we push the, the thing. But that's just the nature of it, you know. Um, but like, it seems to be it seems to be something that people are interested in. I hope that they will also like the movie club because this is a kind of a new thing um, just to see, just to put it out there and see will listeners watch these movies along yeah. with us or will we kind of just, you know, remind them to, you know, to turn on Casino yeah. again. You haven't seen it for a while or you haven't to see what they think of it. So. Yeah, I'm going to go home and watch it now. I have to say. I watch yeah. you God. No, I, I, I haven't seen it since I was in school. I was like, I want to go back and watch that. I forgot, like, you're describing bits. I was like, jeez, oh, I can't even remember that. Like, it'll it's be like a kind of a public film. service we're doing, really, exactly, with this. Because, exactly. You know, and the other thing is, all of the movies are so long. They're all about two and a half hours. I aren't know, they? yeah. So yeah. it's your whole night. So it's. So I nearly suggested doing The Irishman, which is three and a half hours. I, I think I would have been. I didn't get through that. I have to be honest. I actually like that now. I'm one of the I few people. It. I really thought it was great because I, I thought it was a total other perspective that really at the end of his life he oh, just thinks so what sad. a waste of time yeah, the yeah. crime was just a waste oh, of time everything. nobody cares if I killed what's the, the famous union guy or not Huffa or not yeah, yeah. I'm stuck in yeah, it all folks I'm brilliant yeah. I thought it was brilliant I have to say oh, now, it's not. It's slow like it's it. slow but it's deliberately slow and it's yeah. Jesus it's good if I can actually never mind casino watch the yeah, 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 yeah. we'll, 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 we'll change it yeah. <laughs> well listen Peter McGann and Niall Donald as always the professor thank you very much Thank you very much. My students. <laughs> <laughs> 
You've been listening to the Dingle Whiskey Movie Club, only on Crime World. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. <laughs>